This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 96, recorded on August 6, 2018. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, Corey Kluber has a Maddox. Uh, Jose Ramirez, could he have an MVP? The Indians are probably going to the playoffs. We'll find out who they're going to, who they might play and what that's going to look like. Um, we might look at some potential waiver claims for the Indians, and we'll look at Michael Brantley and Jason Kipnis, how they've been lately and how they might be going forward. Um, joining me for all that and more is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? Pretty good. I made a weird chicken dish for dinner, and I have a stomach ache, but other than that, fine. <laughs> I like how for like 10 minutes before the podcast, we're talking about Ellis Burks and all this <laughs> baseball stuff, and the podcast starts, and I made this weird chicken sandwich. It was weird. No, chicken dish. It was pasta. <laughs> chicken. Oh, yeah. I, I, had sandwich. I had sandwich on the mind, so that's what I had going there. I used a lot of, I got, I've been growing a huge basil plant out back, so it's, I was like, I got to use some of this basil. So I, <laughs> How many times have you said in your life, I got to use some of this basil? Is that just like <laughs> Not <a> often. You don't use the amount of basil I have. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you doing baseball-wise, Mary? Anything besides your chicken dish going on? Any uh, Jose Ramirez dingers you saw lately? Um, yeah, I think so, right? Didn't you hit one yesterday? You definitely did. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that one, then. yeah. No, was it yesterday? I don't know. They all blend together when they're facing the. Nah, I think no he blasted. I think he blasted one yesterday. Yeah, but the important thing over the weekend, of course, with the Angels series. Oh, you know what? No, because I went to a Nationals game yesterday, so I missed the Indians game. Never Gross. mind. What are you doing? Are you just going what? to see future Indian Bryce Harper? Is that what you're doing at Obviously. Nationals games? Getting a horrible sunburn on my knees. You know, it's a normal day. Great. <laughs> just a normal young man at the baseball game getting sunburned <laughs> on his knees and watching the baseball. <laughs> <laughs> it was great let me tell you so the indians over the weekend uh cory kluber on saturday he didn't get any sunburn on his knees instead he just got himself a maddox which if you don't know um the maddox is a stat developed by jason lucart who used to run let's go Tribe. um it's a complete game shutout with no more than 99 pitches it's named after greg maddox obviously who had 13 of them over his career which if you consider the fact that kluber has two so far that tells you just how good it is that that maddox has done that um, and the reason Greg Maddox had so many, and he, he's like the perfect pitcher to do it because you don't, you don't get Maddox's very often by striking a ton of pitchers out or a ton of batters out because you need to keep your pitch count so low. Um, and of course, Greg Maddox had like a, what was it? Five or six strikeouts per nine in his best seasons, but he was just so good at control and getting weak hits that he was able to get, um, through so many shutouts without throwing over a hundred pitches, which Corey Kluber did on Saturday. He had 98 pitches, 64 strikes, one walk, seven strikeouts, um, yeah, it was the ninth in Indians history. Corey Kluber second. He's the only one other than Bartolo to clone to have more than one in Indians history. Um, so, Merritt, what do you think of Corey Kluber Maddoxing again? You know, I mean, I can't be the only one who's spent the better part of the last month or so thinking to himself, "Have we seen the best of Corey Kluber?" And we probably have seen the best of Corey Kluber already. Um, and it's hard to decide whether or not a guy is "quote unquote" back when he. You know, he follows up an obliteration of what was it, the Tigers, with just mowing down a a troutless uh, Angels team. But again, incredible. You know, he continues to be a dazzling pitcher. He pitches exactly in the perfect way to to you know achieve the Maddox in even an era where with a high, with high strikeout rates because he throws a ton of way more strikes than you think. He's throwing way more strikes this year than he than he usually does, and people are swinging at him more too. So. Um, I still don't, you know, I'm still a little bit, you know, nervous because of the bulky knee and things like that, but damn, man, he's very good. Who has the most Maddoxes in their career? Is it Greg yeah. Maddox? Yeah, that, that's why it's named after him because <laughs> he has a bunch of them. Otherwise it'd be like the, well, the yeah, but I mean, whatever, but. well, I mean, but I'm just saying, I'm sure some, 
some guy back in like the 1800s, you know, when no one, when everyone swung all the time, he probably had like 40 of them because he pitched for 75 years and all right. So I'm gonna have whatnot. so pop quiz. Who has number two? I'm I'm sure you're gonna know it. It's such it's a popular, it. common pitcher from 1998 forward. Um, oh, only from 1998 forward. 1988, oh, okay. Sorry, 1988. So is it, right. is it John Smoltz? The great Zane Smith. Is that Zane with a Y? Nope. <laughs> Z-A-N-E Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bob Tewksbury has six. Oh, yeah. And Tom Glavin and Roy Holiday are tied with five. Not bad, not bad. Okay. So the Indians, um, having nine altogether is not that great. <laughs> but they don't exactly have a, a storied history through the 80s and 90s of great pitchers until lately. So I right. guess so it's not I guess that uncommon. This isn't a thing that goes back super far, then, from right. what I understand. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. So why did he go back? I don't know. Maybe he just picked from Maddox's, the beginning yeah, of so Maddox's career, I suppose? 1988 when they first started counting pitches consistently. Oh, okay. So before that, it was either they just didn't exist, or it wasn't enough to determine that they actually got a Maddox. So. Right, right, right. But still, in that time, I don't. Uh, can you imagine anybody with Greg Maddox having more than that, really? Just the way he pitched? Because there's a ton of pitchers who can strike out a bunch, but yes. back then they threw like 200 pitches. No, I mean, I guess, but they also swung a whole ton, you know? I mean, there's a reason that these guys struck out less than they, you know, like, there's a reason that, like, Joe DiMaggio had so few strikeouts. It was because he swung early and things of that nature. You know, the strikeout was viewed as a very bad thing, so guys would ground out more often. Um, and also, pitch didn't break for probably nearly as much, so there was a lot more fastballs. I would think there's probably someone back there, you know, in the in the midst of the past that have, as just a, you know, couple handfuls worth just because they pitched for you know 25 years or something and also everyone was swinging all the time so you know i go back in the 1800s when like you could ask for a high or a low ball so by its very nature <laughs> it was going to be put in play because you knew where it was going to be at the very least but yeah it wasn't wasn't that a thing like you the pitchers weren't even really like an adversary you just said where you wanted to pitch and they would throw it yeah to you. Yeah, you know, it was like T-ball. Yeah, it was like, it, or, or it was like whatever's the next step above T-ball when, when the coach is still pitching. Yeah, <laughs> the best <pitch>. years. <laughs> that's where my son is now. That's where both my kids will be next year. It's a magical level of baseball. Mm-hmm. It's most of the time it's throwing three pitches and then getting the tee and giving up. So they hit it off the tee. That's so great. Man, <laughs> the coach would just sometimes just drop a curveball on him. That's so funny. <laughs> just throws a heater inside to back him off the plate. They get hey, don't close. dig in. <laughs> I know these kids getting comfy. <laughs> but I think Kluber's thing that helped him. You said about that we might see the best of Corey Kluber. I think I agree with that too. I think we might see a new great Corey Kluber with how little he's been walking people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to see the high strikeouts and even the the same effectiveness, but he's walked so few, so much, so fewer, so many fewer, whatever that is. He hasn't so walked many few? people this year, Merritt. So yeah. few. There you go. Um, and I mean, that helps with Maddox's because obviously you don't walk a bunch of batters and get them in. Right. So I think that's a part of the big reason he got the Maddox. Another reason we're going to see him continue to be effective, if not Cy Young winning every single season going forward, which is good. Which again, yeah, I mean, you, you you wonder about the end of that too at the same time because someone like you know, Justin Verlander is having some of his best years now, you know, deep in the other side of thirty as opposed to when he's, you know, I mean, obviously he had his MVP year and the year after that too, which were both dazzling. But I mean, last year was probably just as good as any of his MVP as any of his other great years too. So again, maybe Corey Kluber will have some sort of. And then, which, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're eight months or something removed from him winning the freaking Cy Young, so it's not even like this is we're, we're talking about the old days with him. But you know, I mean, his peripherals are, are way more whacked out than they were a year ago. Like, you know, he's, he's got 
nearly a run difference between his ERA and his fielding independent pitching and, right. you know, things of that nature. Again, strikeout rate's way down. But still, again, his walk rates are way down, too. And, um, and this is guy, all with a knee injury, too. Right, like, exactly. This isn't fully healthy Corey Kluber, and he's right, still really exactly. good. I still am a little frustrated when I see him going deep into games that are so obviously won. Um, I mean, which is not to say that game was obviously won. It's just whenever, I don't know, I, when it's something we talk about, it feels like every week is just, it's, this is all, it almost feels like rote, um, until it gets to be October, which is a a terrible way to watch baseball, obviously. (laughs) It is. Uh, But still, I mean, it's, it's cool to see. I, I just wish that there, you leave the you leave the guy in obviously when he's less than a hundred pitches, but he, again he doesn't have to throw hundred pitches every time. I mean it's not like he's getting shelled now. Just those couple of games back a month or so ago, and he when he was getting shelled, and he was still in there for a while and was questioning, I suppose. Especially when you have the rest, the rest of this rotation. But no, he's he's fantastic. Again, the ground ball rates up a little bit, fly ball rate right around where it should be. Um, and I think if you're an you know, Indians pitcher, anything you do to get the ball on the ground, like anywhere near Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor, you're going to want to yeah. do. Which kind of sucks. The Indians are one of the worst like ground ball pitching squads. Maybe that'll change closer to the playoffs. I don't know, but just, just all of a sudden, sure, that's how things work. Yeah, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's called flipping the switch, everyone. You know, yeah. So where do you stand on um, between Maddox and like perfect game and no hitters? Because every time somebody does a Maddox, it always comes up like, is this better or worse than than having a perfect game or a no hitter? Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's no. I think a perfect game is exactly what it is. You know, maybe if you. Well, I guess you could throw a Maddox and you could strike everyone out if you threw the minimum number to everyone. And that would probably be by definite. Well, if you gave it one hit and struck out everyone else on three pitches, what would that be? That'd be 82 pitches. So you get a little bit of wiggle room there. I've seen some crappy no hitters, you know, like didn't Irvin Santana or someone walk like seven people in a no hitter? Yeah, no hitters um, are kind of bunk at this point. I mean, it's Edwin Jackson has had a terrible no hitter. You know, it was like a 140 pitch no hitter or something like that. So, I mean, you can, you can throw an ugly no hitter. There's still, still a no hitter, which is quite impressive. But but can you really throw an ugly I mean, Maddox? I mean, like, no, I don't you know can't. if you can. I agree with you. It's it's, it's definitely a, like a a very special thing, I suppose. A perfect game still trumps it because I mean, come on, you know, like <laughs> I, I don't I don't think it's possible to throw an ugly perfect game because like it's just it's just maybe there's a little less tension with the, the Maddox too. It's like it's just happening, and all of a sudden it's kind of happened. Whereas once you get to the sixth inning with a perfect game, it kind of starts ramping up and gets a little more tense. Whereas at the end of at the end of the day, when it comes to the Maddox, you kind of look back and go, "Oh dang, it's pretty cool." So it's it's got almost like a it's got kind of a, a fun, a bit more novelty to it, I suppose, and it's just a bit more I don't know, a little more silly, with a little less pressure, which is you know kind of a nice way to enjoy it. You know, it's. But no, obviously it goes perfect game, Matt. Well, not, yeah. not, not well, in in in, in, ev- in every way. I've seen again some dazzling no hitters, but Maddoxes are they're neat. I think they're neat without being especially special, which I, th- I which I think is an underrated aspect of anything really. I think perfect games a lot of it is just because the history of it. Like Maddoxes are getting more and more exciting every time now that we're starting to follow them when they're close. But I do agree that perfect games are more special. But I think Maddoxes are more difficult and they're more telling about um, how dominant a pitcher was. Right. Like, I think if a guy hits, a guy hitting for the cycle is noteworthy because of what it is. But I think if a guy hits like three triples in a game and then a home run, that's all, that, that, that's more cool, I suppose. Because right. who the hell hits a triple? You know, like <laughs> one guy every two games or something. And then if I could hit a whole ton of them in one game. I, I think last year I, I wrote an article about 
the Indians hit like four triples in one game or something like that when they were playing the uh, Orioles. It's just it was weird to I, I have to be in the park for that one. It was, it was very strange to watch because you never see triples anymore because the fielding is so good and guys are just either hitting home runs or hitting or you know walking these days. So, yeah. but I don't know. I mean, again, I don't think of watching. Do you consciously notice when a Maddox is happening, I guess? Oh, I do now. That's slowly grown that I've sort of... But, it, but the problem is, so with Maddox as compared to perfect games, the sixth inning is a perfect place to divide it here. Right. You said if you get to like the sixth with a perfect game, that's when everybody gets on edge. But a lot of people make it to like the sixth with a Maddox. Right. And then it just falls apart because you have to throw so many pitches. And you could still have a shutout, but you just have to throw more pitches. So Sure. It's like the ninth inning, and that's when I start to look for it. It's not until the very, very end. It's not like a perfect game where you get like the sixth, seventh inning, and it gets to be tense and fun for so long. Right, exactly. Um, but I do get excited when there's Maddoxes. I think they're neat. And I think it's also neat that Jason Lucart gets a lot of um, word of mouth when that comes up. He gets mentioned on TV because he deserves it. He made a cool stat. that oh, Exactly. I mean, I don't, How many bloggers can say they made a stat that like everybody recognizes now besides like fan graphs and baseball perspectives and stuff like that? But I think it's neat bunch of stratification the blogosphere <laughs> if you ask me it's not fair what about us what was a small time boy where's my stat yeah where's my <laughs> i guess i gotta make it obviously but still <laughs> and then the one last note about kluber's uh, maddox this wasn't even his best game of the year by uh game score version 2.0 if you want to call it that um it was 92 his best was 94 which was april 9th against the tigers when he struck out 13 so yeah so you know again his best game <laughs> and he well, has no, like I, that's what's funny is I remember back when Roy Halladay threw uh, that no hitter in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and then by game score the next night, Lincecum threw that uh, threw that dazzling game, which was a better game because again he just struck out a lot of people. So it's it's funny game. I I like game score for that reason because it like it it requantifies how things happen because like you know a guy who throws a no hitter like I said before it's just a bunch of ground outs or, or weak flyouts or you know like. Um, that White Sox pitcher that did it in uh, Seattle a few years back. Who even was that? Oh, my God. Yeah, some White Sox pitcher threw a no-hitter in uh, – it, it was in Seattle. It was that year where, ever, where there were a whole ton of no-hitters happened all at the same time. But this is the exact reason why it was just like, you know, just kind of a crappy no-hitter. Like, I, you know, I've seen no-hitters where a guy gives up a run. Uh, but yeah, it's just yeah. funny how game score can can allow you to see games through a different lens. But then at the same time with this, because like, did Cooper give up a run that game? I guess probably right. not against the Tigers. It. No, that was a oh, okay. But still, just a thirteen strike. His highest game, obviously, is the the eighteen strikeout game against the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. That was you know what, by a mile. You know what surprised me was I thought he had more shutouts for some reason. I think it's just because he leaves games with. The lead, so or, or with without allowing runs after like seven or eight, or that we've seen in the past, but I think like it's the opposite, had, right? He starts the game, he's always so bad in the first couple innings, a lot of times. Well, no, I, I mean, I guess, I guess I just thought he'd have more than seven. Oh, he's really it's had a seven big shutouts. number, obviously. It's just guys don't go deep, yeah. He only has seven of them, wow. like yeah, again, which is like, yeah, which again is, is a lot. Um, I don't know how where where that ranks in baseball just offhand i could find out with just a couple of clicks but you know like last year he had three the year before that he had two but then other than that he's got one in two different years so um each of one of those a cy young award year interestingly enough so now he's got another one very curious hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. second half kluber best kluber my favorite so let's look ahead to the playoffs and just jinx and ruin everything why don't we I think oh, that's good. let's just guarantee the Indians are into the playoffs now and let's start All talking right. about them 
That was easy. This is not going to go back to bite <laughs> us at all whatsoever. It's fine. <laughs> so if we're, I mean, if we're going to do that and look ahead to the playoffs, just kind of to get a general idea of what's going on around the Indians. Um, I mean, the Red Sox, they're going to be the number one seed. That was kind of up in the air for a while between them and the Yankees. But the Yankees are now nine and a half games back, which for some context, I think last I looked, the Twins are nine and a half back from the Indians. But also keep in mind, the Yankees have like a seven game lead over the Indians. The The AL is just crazy right now outside of the AL Central. Um, so most likely it's going to be the Red Sox and whoever wins the, the wild card. And then the Indians will play whoever wins the AL West, which is basically which is for a while. It looks like the Astros guaranteed, but now maybe the A's or the Mariners, either one. I don't know, but that's who the Indians are probably going to play in the first round. And the Yankee, or the Red Sox will play either the Yankees or whichever AL West team doesn't make the wild card. But I guess you could almost say the Yankees aren't even guaranteed the wild card anymore. They're not, I mean, they're still up in it, but it's not impossible. As we've seen, they can collapse real quick. <laughs> even a, a four and a half game lead is not a whole lot in baseball over the whole season. So mm-hmm. um, the, the NL's a big mess. The AL's mostly decided. The Indians are going to be somewhere in the middle. Um, I guess, what do you think about just the landscape of it now? And who would you rather face in the first round? Well, not the Astros. They're really, really good. <laughs> I think, I, I don't know. I, I um I would rather face the, the Red Sox than the Astros in the first round, obviously. Not obviously. That seems a little insane when I just say Wait, it like what? that. <laughs> um I, I I I would rather face the the um the Red Sox pitching staff than the Astros pitching staff. I think is the is the basis of it all. The Astros pitching staff is absurd from front to back. Like the only thing they don't really have is a closer who has a big name, but then they that I said, and I remember they just got Roberto Ozuna too. So, um, outside of sale, I just, I'm, I'm unimpressed generally by the, by the Red Sox pitching staff. They have obviously Craig Kimbrell and a bunch of pretty good arms in the bullpen. But again, I think I'd rather face, I think I'd rather face them than, uh, what the hell was that? And I mean, the Indians have beaten most of, the staff before, right in 2016, this was almost the exact same. No, maybe they didn't have Chris Sale then, did they? But I mean, they beat up David Price no. and Drew Pomerantz, and I mean, yeah, they beat no, up the exactly. same pitching staff. So like, yeah, like these aren't these aren't great. Pit- I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say they're not great pitchers because they're you know they're very good. But the Astros are on pace for again having as as historic a pitching staff as the Indians did last year. They're really, you know, they're they're that good and then the bullpen is no slouch either. Yeah, there's a bunch of guys in the DL right now, but that's just especially in a short series I feel like that would be harder to finish off than uh what the uh Red Sox have going for them because you know, b- bats can can quiet down very quickly in the postseason. Okay. And the Indians ability to shut down right-handed pitching with you know, we saw what they did to the Tigers for a couple years there. They've had they've had practice, I guess, shutting down a, a bunch of great right-handed pitching. And the Red Sox have a ton of right-handed hitting. The Red Sox have a ton of good right-handed hitting. So it kind of falls right into their wheelhouse, I suppose. Yeah, I do think that if that ends up in the ALCS, I am pretty okay with that. Deans and Red Sox. I think baseball doesn't reseed after the wild card, do they? I can't remember. No, no, it's no. um, well, because because then it would just be because it would just go wild card and then. Divisional series in the ALCS, yeah. So it would just be the winners of those two divisions. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, the, the Indians are going to play probably the Astros or whoever else wins the, unless the A's are a Mariner, Mariners, the Mariners, Mariners sneak Mariners. up and take the division. But they're going to play the winner of the AL West because the Red Sox are going to get the wild card winner. So 
I guess we can just sort of root for the A's. Because <laughs> I would much rather face the A's or Mariners than the Astros, I think. Well, as we know, uh, Billy being shit doesn't work in the postseason. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's all we can hope for. All that for, cheeky garbage doesn't work here. <laughs> you handsome bastard. Sure, you've assembled <laughs> one of the most deadly bullpens I've And don't but forget Mike Fears. That will not work. <laughs> now, aren't you scared of Mike Fears now they got him? That is a stacked team. Uh, and Chris Davis fear. and um, other I people on offense. Davis. I've been thinking about writing about Chris Dave. Uh, there was a really a neat article on Fangraphs actually. I think it was about Matt Davidson, a man who does exist with even a name like Matt Davidson. <laughs> that is a very uh, baseball name, though. It really, it's just, it's a name. Um, but it was, uh, I'm sorry, Matt Chapman. That's who it was. Matt Chapman is a superstar. Was the was the title of it and or star? I don't know. It was a Jeff Sullivan piece on Fangraphs, but he has a very all around ability to damage a damage a game in favor of his team. So. Their offense is right. Again, Chris Davis, Chapman, what, 137 OPS plus. Lowry is actually, you know, healthy and hitting. Uh, Mark Hanna is pretty good. But, no, I think I... I mean, you still rather face them than the Astros, right? In the oh, first definitely. round. No, I, I, yeah. I, think in, I think in order, I'd like to face the A's and then the uh, Yankees. Because fuck the Yankees. <laughs> and then, uh, and then the Red Sox and then the Astros. I, I don't, I don't care what anyone says. The Astros are. We, are, I, I think the team to be in baseball right now, even if they don't have the best record, um, their team is just that team is too freaking stacked, man. That rotation is absurd, and I, I, I think it's kind of like with the um, Royals of a couple years ago. Remember, people just kind of forgot about them when they were steamrolling people. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the. Uh, the Astros aren't quite steamrolling people, but I think with the the combination of both the Red Sox and Yankees being very good, drawing all the attention of just the media in general, um, and then people just deciding to talk about the sneaky Indians for being sneaky, and then the entire NL just being a total mess. This team is fantastic still, and yeah, yeah they got a bunch of guys in the DL, but. The, the things that Alex Bregman is doing right now, turning into maybe the best hitter on a team with Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve, not to mention, again, the bullpen and the pitching staff. It's, or in the rotation, rather. It's, that's a very good team. And I also want to say, I'm very much out here for the Yankees collapsing and not making oh. the playoffs. Oh, <laughs> please, is, play that game, Yankees. Ooh, <laughs> that yes. is a dream scenario. Oh, yeah. No, I, I will get yelled at at work for listening to New York Sports Talk Radio in late September if they continue <laughs> to collapse. That's oh yes, please. Do they fire Aaron Boone or is it? I don't know. Whatever Boone they have, do they fire that one if they fail? If they yeah. fall apart? Sure. Oh, <laughs> you know, awesome. I'm gonna, I, I don't do it on the. I don't know. Do they? I mean, that's that's the kind of reaction you get in New York, right? I, I just saw a report that for some reason the Mets had to confirm that Mickey Callaway was coming back next year, which oh, seems well, weird, you, but you know the team is. Utterly dreadful and eating itself alive. So <laughs> I don't know I, if that's Mickey Calloway's fault, is it? I think it. I don't know. From everything again <laughs> I've read, it seems like he's it's, he's not exactly the reason that they're failing, but not a reason they're succeeding. You know, I mean, the Nationals are in the same boat too. You know, they they might fire Davey Martinez at the end of the year because that team is similarly eating itself alive. It seems like. Yeah. So maybe it's a. Uh, 
I mean, yeah, but that, I think that was funny that they had to, you know, confirm. No, no, we're bringing him back. I mean, they, <laughs> that, they that guy fire. we just hired this year. Yeah, we'll bring him back. It's fine. They should fire their general manager. I think that's a good idea. I think Sandy Alderson has way overstayed his welcome. But well, he is already. He stepped down because of health reasons. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So they're replacing him. I guess that was probably the reason they had to confirm. Oh Ricky right. Okay. Is coming back, but still, it's more funny to think that they had to confirm their rookie manager. He was mm-hmm. going to come back next year, <laughs> the year after they signed him. But, but I think uh, if the Indians, if the Yankees completely collapse, I would. Be, I want to see what happens with Boone, I guess. Because then, what do you, which way do you go to? Do you just hire some old salt? Like, do you. What about Joe Girardi? <laughs> do you. Yeah, ooh. Ooh. What about, what about uh, Tony La Russa? He's out there doing nothing, right? <laughs> what about Mike Matheny? He's a former catcher. Ooh. Ooh. Former catcher. Failed as a previous manager. Uh, played for a team in red. Just like Joe Torre before him. Interesting. Ooh. <laughs> Joe Torre. Yeah, yeah. Mike Matthews is going to be the new manager of the uh, of the Yankees, and he's going to win a uh, five-world series. Anyway, you're, you're welcome, Colonel Sand. But there's kind of that cycle everybody goes through, so it have to be like some hard-ass next, I guess. Well, maybe yeah. they'd bring in Mike Sosha, which would be hilariously I'm thinking, awful. I'm Buck Showalter, but yeah, oh, you know. <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, again. Next time around, you know. All right. At the end of the year. Indians, whether they're in the playoffs or not, there's going to be an MVP vote. A boat? MVP vote. We're jumping um, the gun here because it's August 6th, but whatever. Yeah, keep on going. <laughs> no, it, the, 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 we can have candidates right now. There's like a two months left. You can you're have right, candidates right, for MVP. Right. Okay. All right. And I mean, yeah. I don't, I'm not going to use war in the middle of the season because that's heresy. Keep on but, going. You're fine. But <laughs> if we're going to guarantee that Jose Ramirez continues to be great for the next two months on the Indians' way to a 100-win season... Um, mm-hmm. I mean, is he see a real MVP candidate right now? He's third in WRC plus behind Trout and Mookie Betts. Not that far back. He's tied with JD Martinez and home runs. Um, something doesn't get talked about a lot. He still barely strikes out at all. Um, fifth lowest in the AL 11.2%. I mean, is this, is this a real thing that can happen? I feel like for the first time in, in years, the, the discussion about the AL MVP isn't just it's Trout. Um, there's a real can there's a real case for Betts, JD Martinez, Ramirez, and then if Trout gets healthy again and goes on another tear, then of course it's going to be him. But for now, there's a real race. I think it's going to be interesting to see who it is and if it is going to be Jose Ramirez. I think what might hurt Ramirez is what happened to me once again regarding him this evening when I typed his name into Fangraphs <laughs> and I clicked Blandy. on the other one. I clicked on the pitcher, which was very confusing to me once again for a split second. There's they got to do something about the other Jose Ramirez because it's very confusing to me, even now. After 2013, years, Merritt. He debuted in 2013. I know, but still. <laughs> wait, I thought he debuted in 2014. Oh, do I have it wrong? I don't know. One of those. See? That's what I'm talking about. See? It's difficult. He, okay, so he debuted in 2013. Because it was only 15 games. What am I going to do? Remember 15 games? Come on now. <laughs> Um, no, it is a pain. That, that, that said, no, I, I think it's definitely a race, right? I mean, especially if he does something weird, like they were talking tonight uh, during the game, like he has a chance to lead baseball in, or at least the league in both stolen bases and home runs. Um, I think if he does that, that's just one of those neat statistical anomalies, I guess, where you're just like, oh, Jesus Christ, that's amazing. And then um, you could start talking your way into Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez hurting each other's vote, you know, which is kind of counterintuitive, but a thing people talk about happening. <laughs> and then if the if the Angels fall out of the uh, why, oh don't make the playoffs, which they probably aren't going to make the playoffs. They, they were sellers at the deadline anyway. And then the the you know the Indians going on a 
run the next couple of weeks and winning 95-ish games. I mean, they're, they're, they still get to wail on the on the AL Central or the Wild. They're way better than they were a couple, you know, a couple of weeks ago. They've won one, two, three, four, five. They've won what seven of their last ten, and they all, you know, it all felt great doing it. I don't imagine them. You know they're going to be that groove now where it's like tonight they're be, they're beating the hell out of the out of the Twins, and the Twins ostensibly they're with their second best pitchers on the mound they're beating the hell out of him. So I don't Part really see Ramirez them. doing it. So yeah, you know. So yeah, and he's already got the narrative built that mm-hmm. the Indians their outfield is completely shredded. The infield is basically just him and Francisco and occasionally Yonder Alonso. So he's got that the. It's usually an awful argument, but saying that he's carrying the offense, which he's right. kind of doing with Lindor, so that's a big, that's a big plus for him. You could also say, I guess, that him and Lindor might take votes away from each other if you're going to get into that conversation. Um, I mean, and I'll be honest with you, in that vote, I might end up voting for Frankie Lindor because he's so cool. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's the cool. He's got a much better <laughs> baseball name. Can we start with that? Oh, without Lindor a doubt, Lindor is a peak Lind, a peak baseball name. Oh, without a doubt, no, he's he's fantastic and he's fun and dazzling and. I like his swing a little bit more, although there's a violence to uh, Jose Ramirez's swing that is not within Francisco Lindor's. Um, like tonight, I don't know, he, he fouled a pitch. It was so up and in, I can't even imagine making contact on that at all, but he fired it into the Twins' dugout and almost beheaded Irvin Santana, <laughs> which is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he could definitely win an MVP. I I think if he ends up, you know, it'll be a weird thing where he has to, if he ends up hitting over 300 and all, and actually leads the league in home runs, or he's just tied for the lead and then also leads in stolen bases, then, you know, how can you not? Plus, he has to hit, if he hits one of those weird hot, you know, those hot streaks he gets on, I think it'll just be almost a, you know, a rote decision, but. Yeah, and he plays Mario Kart really good. That's fun. You know, I mean. Yeah, if you want to compare fun players, Jose Ramirez is very fun. How dare you, first of all. He is very fun. He uses tobacco like it's a 1962. <laughs> it's, it's utterly incredible. <laughs> I do like that. That's why he's the angry hamster, which we haven't called him a whole lot lately, but that's still such a great that name. Chaw, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it is disgusting. Uh, all right, man. The, the, trade, the trade deadline, that's the thing I'm talking about. Passed yeah, last sure. week. Um, we're now in the waiver wire. I think Mike Fears was just claimed off waivers in a trade. So the Indians don't have to be done making trades. Um, yet, no team does. Sure. But um, it's not super lightly they'll make a trade, but I guess they could kind of... This is the point where like rentals are going to be super cheap, so if they're going to wait and just get a rental for the playoffs, now might be the time to do it. Maybe they can also get a controlled player like Cole Calhoun or Nick Castellanos, something like that. Um, the alternative is like Josh Donaldson. I think Curtis Granderson is just a one-year rental too, but um, do you see anybody uh, as a waiver wire target for the Indians? And I should also point out that Quincy Wheeler on Let's Go Tribe had a really great fan post about it. I had... I started a draft on waiver wire targets, saw his post and just deleted it and <laughs> used his post on the front page. So thank you for that, Quincy Wheeler. Saved me a good afternoon of work. <laughs> but who do you have, Merritt? I mean, we can I think you're probably referencing his post as much as I am, so Oh, almost definitely, because <laughs> I just not something I really thought about it. But you know, I mean this is the Indians pulled that off with Jay Bruce last year. Um I'm just trying right. to he was a waiver wire claim, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, there's guys out there that they can get. It's, it's just players like, say, a Josh Donaldson. What? Do you, where do you put them? I guess. Um, I was reading ESPN today. I just, you know, for some reason, I clicked on the power rankings. You know, like an idiot. <laughs> and uh, the Indians were sixth. And uh, like one of the things that it said was like, like with uh, with Chisholm Hall and Naquin out till September, they may have to work on something. I'm like, why? What, what is going to happen between now and September? 
the rest of the AL Central will continue <laughs> to, to implode. Like, what? <laughs> they might win 87 games instead of 89 games if they don't act now. Yeah, so I don't and know. still it's win just, the game by double digits. <laughs> yeah, so it's just, I, I think more than anything, they might, it sucks to say they might stand pat because I would really like them not to do that. Um, I'm hopeful Chisnall will get back in time to get back into, you know, game shape and then hit normally like he has been the last year and a half or so in October and stuff like that. Cause I like him in right field. Um, you know, I wrote low last week about how, was it last week? I guess it was about how bad Michael Brantley has been the last, you know, month and a half, two months or so. And they really do need a little more punch in the outfield. Um, so something, a move would be nice. Uh, there's guys out there who I, uh, Quincy did mention what Andrew McCutcheon that's a name that I could definitely see happening. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to get anyone who's going to be cost controlled for more than one year. I just think the the cost that that will be that they won't want to spend that just because guys like that aren't the only people who would be available like that would be like Verlander last year, and they just I don't think they want to absorb the kind of money. Yeah, and I mean I think I'm fine with them doing that because who's going to change their playoff odds that much by giving? Right. I think they've clearly signaled that their their intent is to keep the window open as long as possible, make as many runs as you can, and just hope things happen well in the playoffs, which is the way to do it now, I think. And, and as far as the playoffs go, too, I mean, I think getting a player, you know, like, like Justin Verlander was for the Astros last year, that's way more impactful, I would say, in the playoffs, just because he can pitch two or even three games in a series. Uh, and, you know, that the impact, obviously, of, of the starting pitcher is loads more than the than a than a hitter it's just if it you know even if everything goes right you get i don't know how many and they win the world series you get how many at bats out of nick castellanos you know you get what um what 12 and then i don't know you get like 35 at bats or something like that if that i don't know whatever a good number of of postseason at bats is you get that many out of them and then and then he could just cost too much. I mean, obviously, you guys, he'd have Nick Castellanos more next year, but as opposed to having a starting pitcher. But they don't need a starting pitcher because they have four good ones. And, you know, I just don't think the I, – I, I don't think the numbers really line up for them to do it. Um, so, I don't know. What do you think? I think how crazy was Jay Bruce? <laughs> that will remember him. Yeah, he was no, here. That was, that was a thing. And then yeah. everybody was real mad when the Indians didn't get him this year. And – I don't even know where he plays right now. Is he on the Mets? Yes, he's very... He? Okay, so so I'm just looking at like Alex Bregman last year, for instance, just to pick a name, played... It was his first postseason, and oh, he played all bad. postseason. 78 uh, plate appearances, and he... For the ALCS, he had four hits and 24 at-bats. So, I mean, I don't know how, how you want to call that impactful. Obviously, he was a huge part of the winning World Series. But that I guess that's just what I'm saying, is the the impact of a player of a position player in the postseason, I don't know if it really moves the needle as much as a... Oh, yeah. And I, you're only hoping you get the good... Like, if he goes on a slump for a week, that's it. You're done, and you lose right. your prospect for six years. Now, I guess the hope is, obviously, you get a player like... You, you get a player on a rental of an Alex Bregman-esque type or something like that. And if your Jose Ramirez, to throw a name out there, goes into a slump, then at least he is there to maybe buoy. I was saying this before we started the podcast. The, I mean, the Indians. I mean, I, and this flies in the face of everything literally that I just said. They <laughs> they could probably use another bat just just for, by virtue of the fact that having 
you know, Brandon Geyer starting at the same time as, uh, you know, Roberto Perez and who else was batting? Who was batting seventh tonight? You know, some other garbage pile, I guess. Or, or Melky, like, I don't know. It's just having Melky Cabrera down there, it, 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 it does not shake the boots very much. It's just, I don't know if there's anyone out there. Like, again, where do you put Josh Donaldson, I guess? Outfield? Yeah. No, I don't yeah. know. It's all, no, you stick him at third and move Kipnis, right? I mean, at that point, you just, you just, I guess, but then like, Jason Kipnis has been terrible too. Like, I that's know. what I'm saying. I, you move Jason Kipnis, you, you get him out and like throw him out him, out, 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 out gone. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I guess, yeah, like, I mean, He's done. <laughs> he hasn't been oh. a good hitter for a while now. Okay. <laughs> if you get Josh Donaldson and you can think he'd be healthy, you put him at third base and put Jose Ramirez at second and Kipnis, at, I don't know, the bench. I mean, I still love Jason Kipnis, but if but you can two, get Josh Donaldson and yeah. he can be Josh Donaldson for cheap for a couple months, sure. Yeah. I don't know. I just have no – if they can get an upgrade at third base, I have no issue moving Jose Ramirez at second. And I guess that's fair, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, again, he hasn't really been healthy, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Is, is Josh Donaldson even healthy now? No, he's healthy-ish. You know, he's <laughs> kind of like, a, what else do you want? He's Don't kind of the dig, the degraded version of of healthy that he's been for the last uh, you know, last like year and a half or so. Yeah, which I mean, I guess you could probably get him for like super cheap at that point, right? Just Hell gamble yeah. on him being something. I'm all uh, about gambling. It's on the sixty day DL still. Jesus Christ! I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh no! Sometime in August. Oh no! Uh, never mind. Don't trade for him. <laughs> At least wait until then and pay even less for him. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, here's a here's a, literally a bag of balls. I wonder if Andrew's ever has been traded for a bag of balls. That's got to had to start from something, right? Right. Like maybe back in the old days when you were when you made no money, like when players making eighteen dollars, <laughs> you know, when it was literally just one team didn't have enough players, so the team gave them some balls to make it even. Yeah, yeah. I can see that happening. That'd be a good like fake history kind of thing. Anyway, Jason Kipnis struggling. That kind of leads into our next um, our next topic here. You wrote about this last week. What it was sort way. of about uh, Michael Brantley, Jason Kipnis. How it just sort of depends on when and where you look at their stats to find out how they're doing because they're so. Mm-hmm. weird this season like their peripherals aren't i don't know are they terrible i don't think michael brantley's are he still doesn't strike out a lot and he walks enough but it's i mean he's weird. kind of everything he's always been yeah that, i think yeah. that that's what it is and i mentioned this in the article too like it's just he hasn't really played that much in the last two years and in the last two years we've seen such a spike in um it just shifts and things of that you know and just the advances of defense and the, and the numbers in defense and Admittedly, if you look at his numbers this year, he's hitting like 360 against the shift. So I don't know. I don't know. It, it's 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 a hard thing to read. Um, like many of my articles, it's more of a huh, that's interesting than a this is a definitive uh, thing that we discovered here. I thought you were just saying it's a hard thing to read, like most of my articles. Oh, like, <laughs> like most where, of my articles, no, they, they are hard to read. Yes. <laughs> After they're, the editor gets in there and screws up everything. They're boring, dry, and a little bit weird. <laughs> everything, everything I hope for in articles. Well, the fact that you can uh, find things to write about the Indians multiple times a week right now is is amazing. Uh, well, you know. But it, it makes for, I mean, it does make for interesting things. You find all these new ways to think about the way the Indians are doing things because you can't just keep saying, Jose Ramirez hit ball good. It's these little minute things he does that will add up to being such a great player, so. No, I, I'm trying to write literally just those those words alone, and it does not work out. So, uh, <laughs> but the the Kipnis and Brantley thing is another one where, I mean, it, it, your opinion on it can just sway based on what you're looking at so much. Yeah. And Jason Kipnis is, I guess, a lot of that's probably injury. And I do like the fact that uh, Michael Brantley's dad has been in town for a couple of days. And he's been hitting so much better. 
Yeah, he's Maybe like we just pay to bring him everywhere. <laughs> Mickey, just hang out here. <laughs> your, yeah. son, your son needs to prove himself to you every day, all right? Thank you. Need you. To, like, every time Brantley's up to bat, have a camera zoomed in on his dad's face up on the Jumbotron. And just like <laughs> staring, staring at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and nah, but, I mean, with Brantley, in the, in, at least in the second half. And I know that the split that I used um, in that article was I took the first two months and then the second two months of the, of, of the year, which is, you know a segment of time that is kind of arbitrary. But at least in the second half, which is only a month long, his BABIP is all the way down to like 230 or something like that. Yeah. To, nope, there it is, 224, 308. He's, just, yeah, he's been so bad. Like, hasn't it been since the beginning of June where he's been awful? Oh yeah. oh, yeah, he's been utterly dreadful. He's been one of the worst hitters on the team since the beginning of June. And it's just... And I feel like we're all he, kind of conveniently ignoring it, too. Just, <laughs> just pretend it's not happening. He's fine. He was good for a little bit. Well, the, the, the art, that article that I wrote started in my head like four weeks ago because I, like, I saw his average had dipped down, you know, it was like at 325 or something like that because you had the two, you know, you had Lindor and Ramirez hitting bombs everywhere and hitting about 290 with you had Brantley in the middle, you know, hitting for nice contact. But just watching it slowly drop every game, I was like, this is, this is not very good at all. <laughs> and I just finally looked into it and, no, he's been, yeah, just, like I said, since the beginning of June, he's been like a, what, a 65 wrc plus or something like that he's just hitting for no power hitting for no singles his walk everything is everything is bad and you just i don't know he's just not finding grass and like you if even if you just watch games now so many so many you know those 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 grounders up the middle that he seems to he seems to just you know make hay on those just those are those are bad guys now because it's right that's right where they've shifted to him now and yeah. He doesn't. He, just, he pulls the ball a lot less than I remember. I, I suppose, or a lot more than I remember. I suppose. I think that's, which probably goes along with struggling. You're just not hitting well and trying to swing hard at everything. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, I, I don't know. Again, I just we always kind of always thought of him as not a pull hitter, but he's you know, I mean, not, a, not he's not a you know Kyle Schwarber or something like that, but he still pulls the ball anywhere between forty and forty two percent of the time every year. I mean, last year thirty nine points. This year I guess thirty nine point eight, but. It's just more than I thought. I suppose I figured he'd be more like a twenty person, you know, like a twenty-five or so percent guy going to the opposite field, like he was last year when yeah, he was healthy. At least. So I think this is all the the concern that everybody had about him that he'd be good right away, and then the injuries would wear him down, or is he just struggling for some? Because I mean, he's good again now for a little bit. <laughs> is he oh, just maybe yeah, going to ride yeah. in waves? You have to hope the good wave hits in the playoffs. Or is this fatigue a real thing from all his injuries that he's had? And that's, I mean, that's yeah, that's the thing. We honestly, we have no idea yeah. because. It, whatever injury is wearing him down is a thing that we can't see. It's it's the it, you know it's it's the nagging hamstring or the the sore wrist of ba- uh, that that happens all over baseball. That is kind of you know that one thing that was the, the separator between you and the next guy is has closed up and it happens there you know it happens to every older older player eventually the the narrow margins that they've lived in their whole life are suddenly gone. So maybe um, I've. I know I've written in the past about how I've wanted him to become more of a fly ball hitter, and he just has never. He's hitting more fly balls this year than ever at 32%, which is, you know, like 97th in baseball or something like that. I think that would benefit him as he ages because they're going to shift on him more and they're going to end, you know, infield hits and grounders and things like that are disappearing. And unless they do something stupid like uh, eliminate the rule, you know, make it so. You know, I've heard some bunch of dumb ideas like like the you have to be on on whatever side of the field that your position is, or you have to have a foot on the on the infield. You know, idiotic things like that. <laughs> yeah. If they actually do that, I don't know. It's 
I mean, I'm you all know, for the, the shift being broken down, but I want it to happen like through tactics and baseball, not just rules. That's it's, it's right. the same thing with everything. I want, I don't want starting pitchers to go away. I want somebody to discover a way that they're still effective, but I don't know if this stuff's going to happen. But I think the more rules you put on just to stop change from happening is not going to help, especially exactly. with that shifting. It's really stupid. Well, I think we're seeing that anyway, because I, I, like I mentioned in that article I wrote, I mean, Jason Kipnis is, you know, you just hit the ball over them. Like, that's all you have to do. Like, <laughs> I mean, and again, this is a thing that Ted Williams wrote in a book 50 years ago or something like that. Like, <laughs> how do you beat the shift? You hit it over them. So, I don't know. We're seeing the tactics happening. It's just not as, oh, Michael Brantley is 120th in fly ball rate. That's what it is. Okay. Damn, Josh Bell's 119th? Ugh. <laughs> Come on, Josh Bell. Damn, you're a first baseman. Don't do that. All right, we'll finish this up with, um, we got one question, I think, this week. Every Monday, we ask you guys on Twitter and Facebook, give us Come some questions guys. to answer. We had a few questions, but I think only we've answered most of them throughout the podcast. It was mostly waiver wire oh, okay. um, injury kind of stuff. So the last one here, um, from at Jack Powers 22 he wants to know, why is Melky Cabrera still on an MLB team? <laughs> I feel like I agreed with him, and I still agree with him. I don't. It's it's hard to fathom why he's on there. I mean, he he had so many good plays last night. That was really weird. Um, but the fact that he's here is just sad. It's especially because Yandy Diaz is hitting so well in AAA. I'm gonna keep riding that that train until it happens. There's no reason for Melky to be here as long as Yandy Diaz is here. I don't know why they're not even trying him in the outfield. Is it is it Yandy Diaz doesn't want to be in the outfield? He can't be. He can't be that bad that you can't just put him out there, right? They put Jason Kidmus in center in the playoffs. Right. Like, and Carlos Santana in center in the World Series. We know this yeah. team does not value defense that highly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. Is that well in the, in the, in the minors? I haven't, I haven't checked. Oh, he's hitting. He's destroying the minor leagues. He has like I'm, a, I'm, a I'm good old Yandy in, in a couple weeks. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> like since the All-Star break, he has like a 500 average or somewhere close to We have this close. great hitter, but, you know, I mean... Yeah. Whatever, whatever. It's like we, we, we like ground ball hitters. Michael Brantley wants to go out there every day anyway. <laughs> Gosh, dang it. Yeah, it's... No, I'm upset. <laughs> but that's what it is. I don't know what it is. There's got to be... Is there going to be like an ESPN documentary down the road? Like, about Yandy Diaz? There's just something weird there. Again, like it was weird with Francisco Mejia. Mm-hmm. It seems weird with Yandy Diaz again that they just refuse to use him except for small spurts at a time. I, I mean, and with the Francisco Mejia thing, obviously I can see them. They right. wanted him to do something, and he said no. So they just, no, I don't know. Maybe Yandy Diaz wants to be a third baseman. I don't know. But even I then, mean, you put him at third, and Jose Ramirez a second. You have plenty I mean, of guess, versatility but there. Even then, you he must see the writing on the wall, and it says Jose Ramirez MVP candidate, and he plays third base. It's a big old, you know, it's a little plaque, I guess. It's a lot of writing on the wall. <laughs> but seriously, yeah, at this point, yeah, he's a. 26 year old man and he uh, use him like what, what's the point is it just more brandon guyer is a good idea yeah. to answer the, the the gentleman's question yeah i don't know why the hell milky Cabrera <laughs> is still on this team yeah i mean that about I sums mean, it up brandon, i don't know <laughs> brandon guyer has half a role i guess and they have a center an everyday center fielder now Luis martin and you can't really do anything about brantley but yeah what the what the why, why? Why isn't Yandy Diaz on this team? Great! Now I have a new, a dead horse to beat for the next couple of weeks. Excellent! Thank Join you, us, Merritt. We've all been beating the sticks for like a year now. It's it's been the same truth for like a year that he should be up here. Just give the guy. I mean, this is like Jesus Aguilar all over again. Yandy Diaz, I think, has way more potential than Jesus Aguilar did. Well, I guess probably not now because Jesus Aguilar is good. But I think there's more signs that Yandy Diaz can be great compared to Jesus Aguilar. No, exactly. And I mean. Yes, it's four games. What is it? Fourteen at bats, and most of them are ground balls. But 
everything he hit was a billion miles an hour, and he's hitting 500 in, in his very short stint this year. Yeah. Like, yes, his entire season is going to be very Babbitt-influenced, but how many, how many at-bats have they given to Tyler Naquin this year, I think, <laughs> is the real question we need to ask ourselves. And we have an answer for that because we keep stats in baseball. And that number is a lot. as follows. Where are you? 183. 183 play appearances. And he hit 264, 295, 356. Ooh, yeah. if, you don't, if you don't think Yandy Diaz couldn't do that, and also at the very least play a Shinsu Chu type of defense when he was healthy and good and young in right field where he just you know misplays balls all the time, but at least it's a cannon of an arm to make up for it. <laughs> You know, the best kind of right field defense. <laughs> it makes, makes for a lot of, you know, outfield assists. Oh, yeah, and definitely. Um, just do it. Like, what the... yeah, He's it's... huge also. Come on. I mean, who doesn't want those biceps? Speaking of fun, how about get those I'm biceps saying. in a baseball uniform? That's all the, I want. <laughs> the Yankees have demonstrated the value of having a gigantic right fielder, all right? Yeah, right. Aaron Judge can do it. Yanni Diaz can do it. I'm saying Aaron Judge and Yanni Diaz are essentially the same person. <laughs> I wonder whose biceps are bigger. I know Aaron and, Judge is bigger as a person, but I bet Yandy's are bigger. Those things are massive. I think it's time to have a bicep off. <laughs> Mary, that's going to be our show this week. Um, that was fun. Other yeah, than talking know. about, except we ended on a bad note there because now we're both angry, I think. Yeah, I'm all upset about Yandy Diaz not being on the team. <laughs> and Eric started Zell's nice with Maddox's and Jose Ramirez and then Yandy Diaz and yelling at Tito. And... Like he's hitting 250, for God's sake. <laughs> Like, and I, I don't even care about batting average. Okay, fine. Yeah, he's what, th- ugh, uh, 287 on base percentage, 346 slugging. He looks terrible all the time. And those amazing plays he had, you know, like I, th- I think it was Jordan Bastian who, who tweeted out, you know, uh, Melky Cabrera makes an amazing play in right field. Set cast whispers, 95% uh, catch probability. <laughs> It's just amazing for Melky because he's, you know, I mean, anyone can make anything look amazing, but if it takes you, you know. And the funny thing about his amazing catch last night is like the dive was so awful. Did you see it? His first one? No. I I mean, it was nice that he got it, but he like tucked his arm in weird and he didn't land smooth at all. And of course, Rick Manning was like, well, the way he did that, it was good. He got his arm out of the way. Like, no, he dove like an idiot and he happened to get the ball. Hey, don't you you dare. uh... <laughs> Don't you dare back talk to, to Rick Manning. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> anyway, that's going to be our show, Merritt. I'll talk to you next week. I think that the tweet that you did about Rick Manning and, and the, what's his <laughs> name, that is actually was the best thing you guys, uh, that the Twitter account has ever done. Anyway, Just, I wonder who he was possibly talking about. <laughs> uh, some random friend stole his life. Talk to you next week, Merritt. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>